You know, as we're just going around and praying and just blessing one another, I just became overwhelmed by the fact of how much we need each other. How much we need each other. You know, many different gifts, talents, ages, experiences, but God has made it, designed it, and caused it that we need each other, don't we, Lacey? We even need you, my darling. We do. But you don't need the offering, no. (laughs) Daddy might, but you don't. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? We need each other, and Jesus is bringing us together as one. Now, this might come as a great shock to some of you, but I turned 60 last week. I am officially, and no, oi, <laughs> officially an old fogey now, but I'll try not to act too much as one. But in my new old fogey role, I actually enjoy watching the news. Now, that's getting sad, isn't it, when you actually put on News 24. This is great because I can't see anybody. I don't know if it's the sun, it's the lights, but I can't see a soul, which is quite nice, really. <laughs> I'm assuming you're out there. <laughs> I actually put on News 24 to watch it. If, you know, I think, oh, there's nothing on, I'll watch the news and quite enjoy it, actually. But I've sort of, obviously, there's been the riots this week. And um, I've been quite interested to read and to listen to different opinions of why we've had the riots and what we ought to do about it. Um, from let's sort of give them all extra uh, income and pet them and, you know, love them a bit more and maybe they won't do it. So um, let's shoot them, you know, line them up against the wall and shoot them all. E- everything in between. Um, opinions. I heard an interesting statement actually on the news this morning. Um, it's even sadder because actually I can Drew Marr. But it wasn't him this morning, he's on his holiday. But there's a reporter talking on that programme this morning and um, they, they brought up the topic of the riots. And um forgot what I'm going to say now. What was the comment she made? The, the comment she made was, the trouble today is example. Uh, they're all giving their opinion. She says, but she says, it's all right if you don't get caught. For the politicians with their expenses, that was okay until it became public. And then suddenly everybody's saying, but it caused no concern for them until it was public knowledge. For the policemen who've been paying the, uh, being taken bribes off the papers. For the reporters, it's been tapping phones. You can just do it as long as it's not known and you don't get caught. And she says, nobody seems to know what, where the real truth lies today. And I thought, what a statement. This was a, a, a reporter from the newspapers who was commenting on, on what was happening in the news. And she says, nobody really seems to know what the real um, bottom line of truth is today. She said, and it almost seems to be do it if you don't get caught. She said, I think that's very sad. So that challenged me and got me thinking. But um, I also caught something on the news, which again just got my, um, got my thinking brain going a bit, of the church in, in uh, the Netherlands. And one of the main Presbyterian um, branches, and I forget which one it was now, and I did write it down and I've forgotten. That's because I'm over 60. Um, many of their um, ministers are now declaring publicly that there is no God that it doesn't really exist. And it's causing quite an issue in the Netherlands. And there's some that are saying, look, if these ministers don't actually believe there's a God, then they shouldn't be ministers. But they said the trouble is if we say that, in this one denomination, there would be hardly any ministers left. So they don't feel they can oust them. And what they're basically teaching is that the idea of God is good. The things that Jesus taught are good. And we ought to follow them. But to tell ourselves that there's an eternity, that uh, there's a heaven to go to and a hell to avoid... And to sort of look at Jesus as, as a God is wrong, but it's good to get hold of the basic truths of what he taught. And so they will hold church, and they will talk about the truths, but they will not worship a living God. And that's very sad. 
And I just want to challenge you. This is a message that, well, the verse, I didn't preach this message, but I took this verse at the funeral of, of Dot, um, Maureen Grummet's mum. And it's a very challenging verse. And I just want to share some truth from it um, along this line. If we turn to 2 Timothy, if you have your Bibles, and I do hope you have your Bibles, because this is one of the things I'm going to be getting to the nub of. How well do we know the word of God? And how well do we know God? In fact, I'm going to do a little bit of a poll now. Who of us actually know God? Who know, who, how of us many know that he exists? There's a whole ch- branch of churches out there in Holland that would say he doesn't exist. How many of you think you actually know God? Ah, that's the question in our minds now, isn't it? When I was in Bible college, we had a grand old lecturer who used to be the principal of the co- uh, college, Mr. Gilping. And he must have been 260 when I was in college. Well, he seemed it in them days. And um, I was doing my first sermon crit, and I couldn't find a thing to preach on. It's terrible, isn't it? You've got the whole Bible, and there's me, this student, struggling to find something to preach on. And he was chattering to me about it, and I said, Mr. Gilpin, I says, how do you keep finding something fresh after all these years? And he said, Annette, I've realized that the more I get to know God, the less I know him. The less I realize I actually know and understand him. And he said, there's stuff in this word that still hits me anew. And I say he was in his 200 and something at that time. Um, And he was still finding things fresh in the word of God. And we say, yes, we know God. But you know, the devil knows God and knows he exists. I want to challenge us tonight. Do we know God? Now, I know we're not going to know him ultimately. Else we'll be God. If any one person claimed they fully understood God and fully knew him, then we'd be God. It's because he's God that we can't fully know him because his thoughts aren't our thoughts, his ways aren't our ways. But we can know about him. And that's what I want to just maybe challenge our spirits a little on this evening. 2 Timothy in chapter 1. This is Paul. By now he's an official codger as well. And he's getting on in years. And there's a young man, Timothy. And he's rising up. And he grew up in a good Christian home. His mum and his grandma were Christians, God-fearing ladies. And uh, they taught the truth to Timothy. And Timothy's about to take on leadership of the church. Paul was, wasn't far off dying and, and going to his eternal reward. And he was just trying to give some encouraging words to Timothy. And he wrote these. I'm reading it from the message. I don't like everything it says in the message. I don't like all the wording. But it's challenging me afresh. As I read it from the message, I've got so used to reading the NIV. I found that refreshing after the King James. And, um, but just reading truths again, written in another way, sends me back then to look at what's it, you know, how does it say in the NIV and how does it compare? And I'm loving reading from the message at the moment. So I'm going to read it from the message and it says, Paul, I, Paul, am on a special assignment for Christ, carrying out God's plan laid out in the message of the, of life by Jesus. I write this to you, Timothy, the son I love so much. All the best, I'm not sure I like that bit, but all the best from God and Christ be yours. Every time I say your name in prayer, which is practically all the time, isn't that great? To have somebody praying for you practically all the time. I thank God for you, the God I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. That precious memory triggers another, your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is, handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice, and now to you. And the special gift of ministry you received when I laid hands on you and prayed, keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. 
So don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me, his prisoner. Take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us. There's a message for you, isn't it? Timothy, take your share of suffering like the rest of us. Wow. We can only keep on going after all by the power of God who first saved us and then called us to his holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated, life vindicated, in a steady blaze of light, all through the work of Jesus. This is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emissary, and teacher. It is also the cause of all this trouble I'm in. But I've no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. So keep it your work, this faith and rooted, uh, and love rooted in Christ, exactly as I set it out for you. Hallelujah. So there's Paul, some advice to young Timothy. Timothy, life isn't always going to be easy. And sometimes it's going to get tough for you. And I want to say to you tonight, in the spirit of Paul, that life won't always be easy. Sometimes it's going to be tough. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a pessimist or because I want to prophesy negative things over you. I can hear some heads going, don't prophesy that over me. Don't prophesy over that over me. But Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have troubles. We will. We're not exempt from them, are we? And I just want to challenge us this evening of how well do we know God. I remember a while back, well, it must be over four years back now, uh, Pastor Gordon Neal always sh- uh, shares and preaches on the uh, first Sunday of the year. And uh, this was before Pastor Michael knew he was leaving. and We knew things were going to be changing. And he preached a message. And now this must be an impressive message that I'm still remembering it four years later. Um, especially with Gordon. No, I never said that. Um, but it did, it did challenge me. And, and uh, Pastor Gordon preached on, let not your heart be troubled. And he spoke about the fact it was our responsibility not to allow our hearts to become troubled. It wasn't God's responsibility. It wasn't the church's responsibility. It wasn't your leader's responsibility. But it was my responsibility not to allow my heart to become troubled. I am responsible for my own heart. And you are responsible for your own heart. And I want to challenge us uh, this evening that we too are responsible for how we know God. How we walk with him. How much we trust him. And what our relationship is is like. It's our responsibility. Yes, we come to church, we encourage one another, we, we, we help one another, and I am so glad God's given us one another. But in the final count, it is my responsibility, my walk, and my relationship with God is my responsibility. It's not Sally's, as good a friend as she is, it's not her responsibility. And I'm not responsible for her walk with God either. Sally is. David isn't responsible for it. Sally is. We are all responsible for our own walk before God. Now, the reason I'm saying these words is that we've seen our nation shaken a little this week. People are asking questions. People are asking questions. What's it all about? Well, we know the root of all this is sin. Man will always go to the lowest denominator when there's no uh, restrictions. We are born in sin and we are sinful. Now, I'm going to come to the end because there is an answer to sin in our lives. And I'm going to come round to that. 
But how well do each one of us know God this evening? Now, maybe one or two here think, well, yeah, I know God. That's why I'm here, Annette. I know God exists and I know him. But I'm not sure I know him ever so well. And there's some of us, if we're honest, we've walked so many years with God that we can almost take him for granted and maybe given up the surprise of the joy of finding out new things about our God. As though, well, I know that, I've been there, heard it, don't need another message. But our God is a living God. He's an active God. And he wants to be constantly active in our lives. Paul made this statement to Timothy. It says in the, uh, uh, the old King James, I learned it from, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able Paul was basically saying to Timothy, Timothy, I know who I believe in. I know him. That lady was saying there's no ultimate, no no absolutes of truth in this world today. Paul was saying, I know who I believe. I know him. I'm not ashamed of it. I know him. If tomorrow the government decided, a bit like Amsterdam's going, no more churches, no more ministers, no more faiths, that John Lennon said, the big melting pot of all all faiths in one. Where would we stand? Are we strong enough in our faith in God? Are we sure enough what we believe? I looked at this congregation in the Netherlands where they were talking to this minister and my heart wept because they were listening to untruths. They were listening to man's ideas and man's theories and they were lapping it all in, yes. He was a minister of the gospel and not preaching the truth and there were people being blinded by it. How well do you know God? Could we be blinded by somebody coming in and not speaking the truth of his word? Are we sure enough? It's a big question, isn't it? Well, I know that as we get to know him, we're born again. We don't get to know everything overnight, do we? It takes time to learn some of the deeper truth, to to get to know him really well. But how well do we know him for the time we've been walking with him? I know whom I have believed, Paul said to Timothy. Now, this wasn't a casual remark of I know him, but it was all about a personal encounter. You know, I know the Queen. In fact, I've been very close to the Queen. And in fact, she's actually sort of waved to me. Well, she didn't know it was me. There's a few hundred other people around. It was on her Silver Jubilee in 1970 seven, six or seven, somewhere around there. And she came along the Mansfield Road. She was quite close to me and I waved. And she waved back. I know the Queen. No, I don't. I know about her. I know what other people say about her. I know what I read about her, but I don't know her. Philip knows her. Because he's a husband. Her children know her. Because they have that close relationship with her. I only know about him. We can often say about ourselves, don't we? We know each other, but they say you've got to live with somebody, don't they, before you really know them, and then you get to really know them. It's not, Paul wasn't talking about an intellectual observation of somebody he'd heard about. Paul knew him. He knew his God. I know whom I have believed. It is possible to have an intellectual understanding of God. But it's a daily, living, walking, talking, experiencing him as saviour in our lives. It's not a distant relationship. 
The only way we get to really know him is by having close, personal, precious time with him. Now, this isn't some guilt trip to say, oh, are we having enough quiet times? Are you reading your Bible for half an hour? That's what I was always told as I was growing up. Half an hour in the morning, half an hour at night. Well, I thought I'd done my bit then. That was it then, because the rest of the day was mine. It's not about that. Yes, it's good to read our Bibles. Yes, it's good to pray. But it's that talking, living, walking, including him in every aspect of our life, in our friendships, consulting him, in our careers, in our education, in our choices, bringing God into every aspect of our life, in our sorrows, in our misunderstandings, in our anger. Thank God, will you come and just teach me a bit more about yourself in this? It's allowing him to come and play a vital role in our lives, which is so easy, isn't it, only to include him. Uh, Ian touched on this this morning when he was, yeah, he's there, I thought you were there, uh, when he was talking about walking with God. You know, if God says, Annette, which he did say to me, go to Bible college in a very audible voice, then that's dead easy to follow, isn't it? Most folks say, well, if he did that to me, I'd do it. But what about the rest of the time when he's not talking quite as clear? When it's not that audible voice, when it's not that direct, when it's behind us saying, keep going, I'll tell you when it's time to turn right or left. Are we hearing him? Do we know him? Are we listening? This is invaluable, which is why I say I hope you've all got them. It's his word, and it's not just the words from his mouth. Jesus is called the word of God. He was living He was relational, and this written word that we have is living, and it's relational. And we know from our own experience that at times we pick it up, and we think, oh, God, that's just what I needed to hear from you today. How many times has that happened to us? Oh, God, that was just the word for me today. How does he know that? Because his word is living, and he knows where to take, take us and where to look. But it comes from spending time with him it's not a distant relationship and I don't know where your relationship with him is it may be at one time you've reached out to him and said Lord I want to know you as my savior but you've actually not developed getting to know him and allowing him to get to know you and to change us and to make us as he wants us to be we've just sort of kept him at that distance and he says I don't want to be at a distance I want to come in and be every part uh, very part of your life and it's also easy to get too comfortable with God, to think we know him, and because we've experienced him that way. But he's saying to us tonight, there's still so much more, so much more of me to find out. I wonder how much Paul had to discover when he got to heaven about God. I guess still lots, but I think maybe not quite as much as I will have to discover because Paul had such a a relationship and such a, a living knowledge of God. It's a daily relationship of talking, walking, feeling, and experiencing him. You see, I believe in electricity. I believe that's what's making that light work. But I don't understand it, and I don't know it. I know enough that if I grab hold of a live wire, it's going to do me damage. That's about as much as I know. I don't know how direct and indirect and AC and all that sort of, you know, don't you, Dave? How all that sort of stuff works. I can manage to change a light bulb if I can reach it. But above and beyond that, I don't want to know because I know it's dangerous. I know that much. But I don't know electricity. I don't understand it. Because I've got no desire to, really. And we give time to those things that we desire to know. Now, I could bore you all to death 
and tell you some statistics on Nottingham Forest and how they've been playing and everything else these last couple of years. Well, no, actually, I'd depress you if I did. Why? Because I like to. I like Forest. I like to go there. It's something I give my interest to. It's something I give some of my time to. And we know the things we give our time to are the things we know best. And God says, I actually want all your time. I want to be part of your pastimes and your activities. I want to be part of your friendships. I want to be part of your personal times when you're alone in your own mind. I want to be part of all that. I want to be part of who you are. And as we spend time with somebody, we get to know him. In the words of the meerkat, it's simples. It's simples. The more time we spend with him, the more we're going to get to know him. There's nothing nicer than an old couple that have been together for 999 years and they know each other's needs before they've even spoken. Perhaps not that many years, but you see it, don't you, in an older couple. She knows when he needs a cup of tea. You don't have to ask because she knows, because she knows him better than I know him. And we can get to know God in a much deeper way. The more time we are willing to spend with him and allow him into our lives. Now a challenge to me and you, how much time have we spent actually reading his word? Not as an intellectual exercise, but allowing him to talk into our lives, into our employment, into our marriage, into our children, into our pastimes, into every area of our lives. Because as we read this word, I tell you, it lives and it will speak direct into our lives and we will get to know him. As we spend time just sitting in his presence, just being with him, not saying anything, not praying and asking and saying, Lord, if only, but just being with him. He whispers into our spirits, doesn't he? He talks to us. He makes his, just, just feeling his love in our hearts, does so much for us. And as we bring our needs and we pray and he answers, we grow to know him more and more. And in this world, Paul was saying to Timothy, you're going to have to know your God. You are going to have to know your God. Timothy, you're going to be working in a church where people are older than you. He said to him earlier, don't let anybody look down on you. Just because you're a young man, Timothy, doesn't, know you don't, doesn't mean you don't know God. In fact, Timothy, you can know God better than some of these older men because they're so caught up in religion and what they think God ought to be and what God ought to be like because it suits them that they don't really know him. But Timothy, you are a young man, and you're going to be uh, helping. Uh, we've got the Bible. Remember, Timothy didn't have this. We've got the letter here to teachers. Timothy only just received it. And other letters hadn't been written that we now have here. Other truths hadn't been put down in writing. And this was a young man that was going to help establish the new church of Jesus Christ. And Paul was saying to him, it's, you need to know your God. And I want to say to us, in the world today, it's important that we know our God. It's important that we know our God. We will hear things from our televisions. We will hear things from the media. We will hear things said in different circumstances, which we know are totally anti-God's way of thinking and being. Do we know him? Do we know him well enough to be able to say, no, that's not my God. That's not my God. I remember once years ago, long, long time ago, when I was a fairly young Christian, having a missionary over from Africa. And um, I always was challenged by missionaries. And um, he was talking about a time when he and his wife were taken captive. 
and um, they were held in a dark room. And all he had to rely on, his wife was held separate, they weren't together. He didn't know she was alive or dead. And all he had to rely on was what he knew of God in his heart. And it challenged me, could I, could I survive that? Where would my thoughts go to? Where would they, would they suddenly go in a downward spiral and think, well, there can't be a God? It's a challenge to each one of us. How well, how sure are we of our faith? If somebody came to you and said, well, what is it you believe? Could we say? Could we say? We may not be able to give a good outline of the gospel. We may not even give all the theological statements of who God is. But can we say with assurity that no matter what happens to me, no matter where I go, no matter what circumstances, I know my God is with me because I know he'll never leave me. I know he'll never forsake me. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I am persuaded that God will keep me until the day I'm taken to glory. I know that, Timothy. Now, Paul was not going through an easy time. He was in prison. He wasn't going through an easy time. Paul didn't have it all easy. We think of the great man of God, Paul. He gives a list at some place about all the things that happened to him, about the beatings and the floggings and the shipwrecks, and I've experienced none of them. But I tell you what, every one of them deepened his faith, deepened his knowledge of God. The more he saw God rescuing him, being there for him, the more his knowledge and understanding and surety of God grew. And he was able to say, I, I know God, I, I know the one I believe, and I am certain that he's going to keep me until the day I stand before him in glory. I can remember being in my 20s on, on a Tuesday evening. It's strange how little things stay with you. And I remember uh, the pastor at that time talking about um, eternity, about heaven and, and how we have an eternal promise. And I remember that evening that the reality of eternal life went from here, deep down in here. If you'd have said to me before then, let's say I was 25, I can't remember how old. If you'd have said to me before then, have you got eternal life? I'd say, yes, of course I have. The word of God tells me. I've been taught it since I was in Sunday school. But that night, when I was hearing that pastor preach, something shifted from here and went deep down within my spirit. And I now know I have eternal life. Nobody, nothing in this world or out of this world can shift that from me because I know it. I know it. I have eternal life. It's not just thing I've read about or heard about, but God, by his spirit, did something deep within me. That's why it's important to know his word because he can take his word and move it from here down in our spirits. And it's a good thing. Sometimes we read stuff in God's word. And I think, God, I don't fully understand what you're telling me there. I know it's the truth, but I don't fully grasp it. I say, will he begin to show it me? Not here, but here. Because God can be perceived in our intellect, but the only thing will hold us and keep us is when it goes deep within our spirit. Do we know deep within our very being the one we have believed Do we allow him to be every part of our lives? You know, he has a deep compassion for you and I. He has a very deep compassion. He's forgiven us. Isn't that incredible? Every stupid, silly, sinful thing I've done in my life, he's forgiven. I don't find that easy to do for others. I do it because he tells me to. 
He's forgiven me. He must sometimes think, isn't it? Do you never learn, girl? <laughs> but he still forgives. And he still restores. And he still blesses. What a God. He's brought peace into our lives. He's healed. He's spoken. He's provided, protected, directed. I could go on with a thousand things. Brought joy into our lives. God is committed to you. 100% he is committed to you. Isn't that incredible? 100% he is committed to me. He says, Annette, I'm never going to leave you. And I'm never going to forsake you. Put your own name there. I'm never going to leave you. Say it to yourself. Put your own name there. I'm never going to forsake you. Faith is never going to leave you. And he's never going to forsake you. Maureen, he's never going to leave you. And he's never going to forsake you. Gary, he's never going to leave you. Nor you, Linda, or forsaken. I could go right round. He's never going to do it. He is 100% committed to us. We can only respond with wow. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to be like Paul and certain of the one I believe. But you know, Paul didn't just say, well, I believe. He didn't just say, I know who I believe. He said, I know who I have believed, the one in whom I have trusted. I know the one in whom I have put my trust. In the message it says, but I have no regrets. This is for the suffering. I couldn't be sure of my ground. The one I trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the very end. In the Amplified it says, still I'm not ashamed for I know him whom I have believed, adhered to, trusted in, relied him on. So I don't just know him, but I've actually trusted in him. I've relied on him. I've made him the strength of my life. He's the one I've put my faith in. So it's not only knowing him, but it's actually saying, God, because you love me with such a compassion, because you love me and and, uh, you're so committed to me, then I'm going to trust you with my friends. I'm going to trust you with my college life. I'm going to trust you with my work life. I'm going to trust you with my relationships. I'm going to trust you with my marriage, my children. I'm going to trust them to you, Lord. I'm not going to do the worrying. I'm going to trust it to you because I know you're committed to me. I know you are, God. And I'm going to put my trust in you, in your word and in who you are. Paul put his faith into action. James says, doesn't he, without faith, without works, it's dead. It's not a faith at all. Now, we're not saved through works. We're saved through faith. And Paul very clearly taught that. But if we don't put that faith into action, then really it counts for very little. Paul chose to put the faith, his faith in the one he believed. Now, we might read the Bible and think, well, I like that bit, God, but I'm not sure about this thing about um, not sleeping with others until we're married. I'm not sure about not stealing. And is it really stealing if I just take this bit and nobody knows about it? I'm not sure about the bit about forgiving God. You don't realize what they've done to me. And we can pick and choose what we believe. But then we're not trusting. Then we're saying, God, I only trust you in parts of my life. I only trust you in bits of my life. And I'm going to choose which bits. Well, we don't get to know him that way. We only get to know the bits we want to get to know. But I tell you what, I may not know him as well as Paul knew him, but I know the more I discover. And it might be in the bits I don't like in my life, but the more wonderful he grows, 
the more beautiful he becomes, the more kind he becomes, the more compassionate he comes. And if God challenges me in an area of my life, let's say over forgiveness as an example, forgiving other people, it's then that I begin to realize in a new deep way what he did for me, how much he's forgiven me, how much he's done for me. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him. So it's knowing him and then it's believing him. It's believing its word. If it says something, then God, I know it's right. I might not like it, but I know it's right. Children don't always like things parents tell them. Most of the time they're right. Sometimes they're not. Most of the kids are out, aren't they? Your parents aren't perfect kids. They're nearly perfect, but they're not perfect. And they're not always right. But you know what? God is. He's always right. And we can trust him. We can trust what his word says because it's right and it's good and it will bless. It's for our good. He's committed to us. Are we that committed to him? Cost him everything. It cost him everything to gain his relationship with us. It's an old saying, isn't it? If you were the only one to sin, he would have died anyway. But the reality is we're not. But I was a sinner, and he needed to die for me if I was to have a relationship back with God. And it cost him his life. It cost him the father turning his back on him. He's promised never to do that to us. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. But as Jesus hung on that cross, the father turned his back on his own dear son. Because the sin of you and I were placed upon him, and he couldn't look upon that sin. That's how much he loves us, that he was willing to die and to cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wow, that's what it cost him. It cost him everything. And sometimes we're only willing to say, well, God, yeah, I know you to such an extent, and I do trust you, but finances, well, I think I can take care of them, God, thanks. I'm quite good at looking after them, thank you, God. I'm all right with them. I don't need to trust you with them. The fellow I'm going out with, well... Surely God is right. But we need to include him in every aspect of our lives and trust him. Because we owe him everything. You know, our relationship with God, I once heard it described like this. In some ways, it's almost like paying a mortgage. Those of you that have homes and you pay your mortgage, you don't go in and pay it now. It tends to come straight out of your bank account, doesn't it? But imagine you were to go into the building society or the bank and hand over £650 for your mortgage that month. You're not giving them anything, are you? You're repaying a loan that you've had from them to buy a house. You're not giving them anything. But it feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like they're taking your money off you. But you're not doing that. We're not giving God anything because we owe him everything. We owe him everything. But do you know the incredible thing is, when you pay your mortgage, your bank account goes down. When you give God things and you give him your life, your bank account goes up because he blesses and he blesses and he blesses. And we're not doing God a favor by saying, okay, I'll let you into this part of my life. We owe it him. We owe it him. It's like paying our mortgage. We need to have in our lives in this day and age a deep root. There was a story that Jesus told about the sower trying to help the disciples understand who he was. And he talked about them having no root 
and they will only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, then they quickly fall away. If the word doesn't suit them, if it's going to mean a bit of discomfort, then they fall away. Knowing him deeper and deeper. And I'm not talking about knowing him fully. I was saved at the age of 11, so I've known him what now? 49 years? It's a bit scary, isn't it? I don't know him yet. I'm still discovering him. Still discovering more about his nature and his love. But I know him better than I did when I was 11. And I know, I trust to know him better than I did yesterday. Knowing him gives us deep roots, which will hold us. If we only know him here, if we don't allow it to move from here to here, then when trouble comes, we won't hold on. We won't be firm. We won't be established. And then Paul went on to Timothy and said, do you know what? Having this living, active faith in God, I know he's going to keep me for all eternity. He says, I know whom I've believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep everything I've committed to him, my life, my family, my relationships, my finance, my time, my efforts, everything I've given to him, my intellect. I know he's going to keep it and look after it. I can trust him with it until that day when I stand before him in glory. Are you sure you're going to go to heaven? It's great when we know it deep down. I mean, heaven forbid, I could drop dead on the spot now and I know I'll be with him in his presence. That's a wonderful truth to know. Now, it may be this evening that you've not really come into a living relationship with God. I don't know everybody's heart here. I trust each one of us have come that far. It may be that just recently you've put your trust in him. But you know, for each one of us, sin has caused us to be separate from God. My own selfishness, my own way of thinking, my own ideas about what's right and wrong caused separation between me and God. And God never wants that. He loves each one of us deeply. That's why Jesus came. But Jesus paid the price because he said the wages for that sin, the payment for my sin, well, that's definite. It's an eternal separation from me. But Jesus paid it in my place. It's as simple as that. The gospel is one of the simplest things that even a child can understand and accept, that Jesus died for my sin. A child knows that they're a sinner. They're a sinner. It's only when we get to be mature adults that we like to pretend we're not. Each one of us have sinned. Each one of us have fallen short. We know it inside. But Jesus paid that price. And there's an awareness within every living person of God. People will say there's not an eternity. Why would they say that? Because there's something within them saying, why am I here? What's this all about? Why am I living? Why does it matter how I treat other people? Everybody asks the same questions. It doesn't matter how intellectual, how rich, whatever position we have, everybody asks the same questions. What's this all about? And there's an awareness of a need to know God within every human soul and body. And it's our spirit that responds to God for salvation. We can't do it with our minds. It has to be our spirit where the Holy Spirit touches and says, come on, you need life in your spirit. You know there's something within you that needs life. Now, maybe you've never done that. Or maybe you have, but you've not fully grasped. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We're all at different places on 
our journey. But you can know that for certainty tonight. I may have asked the question, do you know you have eternal life? And you may think, well, I don't know if I have actually, Annette. I don't know. I don't fully understand all this. Well, you can know this evening for yourself. There's a, a great, I'm, I tell you, I'm getting quite nostalgic now, I'm 60. There's a great old song I used to sing as a child, which goes, there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in, each one of us. At Calvary's cross is where it begins when we come as a sinner to Jesus. And that's what we have to do is just come to him and say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't know what it means to give all my life to you. I don't understand all that, but I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need to know you in a real way in my life. And if that's you, then do that tonight. Get to know him in a new way tonight. Let him come and touch your spirit and bring it alive because there's a spirit in each one of us. And maybe you have responded and you thought, oh, I don't know if I was really understanding it or doing it. Well, he'll touch you again and he'll bless you again because he loves to do that. It may be that we have an intellectual knowledge and we've stopped experiencing his love and his kindness and his grace and his mercy because... Well, if we're honest, we've done it all before. And we've heard it all before. But he says, I want you to come as a child. And I want you to know me and to walk with me. Are we pursuing God as much as he is pursuing us? There was the time, wasn't there, with, um, I'm trying to think of the man's name now, where he, he wrote the book on pursuing God and he, he told, the, what's the man's name? Tommy Tenney, and he had this whole thing. Brilliant. If you've never read any of his books, brilliant on pursuing God and how he used to chase his children around the house and they'd pretend to hide. He'd pretend to hide from them because he knew they wanted to find him. And God knows that really in our hearts we want to find him and we want to know him. And he'll make himself known. Are we pursuing him as much as he is pursuing us? You know, a deepening relationship will bring a faith and a sounding and a holding on of roots in our lives when things around us shift. And it may be on the more national level where, you know, there's stuff going on that isn't fitting into the Christian life. It may be on a global level, but it may be on a personal level where things in your own life shifts. Relationships break down. Things go wrong. We need a firm root to hold us firm with God. A deepening relationship will bring trust for a troubled life and a troubled world. Do you know, God has never promised to keep us from difficulties. Come to God and everything will be okay is not true. But come to God and he will keep you and he will protect you and he will hold you and he'll be there for you is very true. If come to God there'll be no difficulties was true, then why did people lay down their lives for him? Why were people dying for the truth of the gospel? He's never promised that. He said in Matthew's gospel, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And then he goes on and says, because you know what? Each day has enough troubles of its own. We know that, don't we, as we walk through life. Each day has enough troubles of its own. I've told you these things so that in me uh, you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, he said. I've overcome the world. I just want to encourage you simply this evening. My message is how well do we know him? If you have never come into a real relationship to think, well, yeah, I actually do know God in a personal way. I have had my sins forgiven and my life restored. 
But if you haven't, then why not do that? We're going to play in a minute, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that for yourself. And maybe you have done it, and you just want to renew it and refresh it before him tonight and say, God, I really do want to get to know you more. Please, will you come and be part of my life and help me in my relationships? Help me in the way I live my life, because I want to do it to please you. Oh, it may just be that we've just come a little bit, you know, taken him for granted. I'm going to ask, as Paul said to Timothy, stir up, stir up that gift that is within you. In the message it says, oh, let me read it now. Um, Keep that ablaze, Timothy, that gift that's in you. Keep it ablaze, keep it firing, keep it going on all cylinders. And maybe that's where we are tonight, God's saying, come on, let's keep it ablaze. Let's keep every cylinder firing in our life for him. Because that's the one thing that will hold. There is a world that's looking for answers. We have the answer. Are we going to allow the world to shake us? Or are we going to shake the world because we know the one in whom we have believed? Let's pray together. Precious Lord, thank you that you are real and alive. Thank you, Lord, that we can know you in a personal way. That just blows my mind, Lord, that we can actually know you. That you long to make yourself known to us. You want us to know you, Lord. You want us to discover you and find you. And I just say thank you for that, Lord. And right now, Lord, I pray for any here this evening who don't really know for sure that they know you. And I'm just going to say a simple prayer to God. It's not going to be clever words. It's going to be a simple prayer. And as I say these words, you say them quietly in your heart afterwards. Because we're going to ask God to forgive our sins. Anything we've done to put a barrier between us and God, Jesus paid for that on Calvary. And he'll wipe it all away. Every stupid mistake we've ever made, he'll take it all away. And he'll make us clean and pure and able to be in relationship with him. And if you want to know that tonight, you pray this prayer in your heart quietly to him. And there's another verse in the Bible which says, if we confess our sins, it says he is faithful and he's just. And he will forgive us. He will forgive us. And more than that, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I believe you exist. But I want to know you for myself. I'm sorry for every stupid, sinful thing I've ever done. Please forgive me. And from today, God, I want to know you more. I want to turn my life around. Instead of living my way and my ideas, I'm willing to live your way, your thoughts, your ideas, because I believe them to be true. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for setting my spirit alive. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, make it known to somebody. Come and speak with me. Come and speak with one of the leaders. Speak with whoever you've come with. But make that known. This is me this evening. And I'm going to pray for us all now. Lord, thank you that you want to be known by us. And you want us to know you more and more. Thank you for that privilege. It's a mighty privilege, Lord. Father, we're sorry if we've let... That fire just go down a bit. We're sorry if we're not pursuing you as much as we have been. 
But Lord, I pray for each one here, myself included, that we'll have such a surety of who you are that will be rooted and not swayed by the opinions of others, by the ways of this world. But Lord, help me, help us to know you more and more. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you for the truths you show us of yourself. Oh God, for each one of us, give us a fresh awareness, fresh understanding, that like Paul, we'll be able to say, I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that you're able to keep me against anything that will come my way. Lord, you know everything we're going to go into, but you go with us. You are with us, Lord, in the good times that we're going to experience. In those times we'd rather not experience, you're with us. You're the same God who loves us with the same passion, whatever we go through. Lord, may each one of us grow deeper and firmer. May our roots go just that little bit further down as we go into the days ahead, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded. He is able to keep everything we've committed to him against anything that comes our way and for eternity. Isn't that great? Isn't that incredible? Our kids, our parents, our families, our future, anything we can trust him with. It's great. Well, we're going to go and have coffee together. Those that want to come across the road and have coffee, it's great to share fellowship. If you can't come, then be blessed of God. Have a great week. And... um, Know him deeper this week as you go into it. Amen.